Shut up and sit down. Welcome back to another NBA Finals edition of the Limited Upside Podcast. I'm Ben Epstein, here as always with Mike Prada. Mike, I'm glad to be here in a little voice box with you again. We are doing oh, yeah. this at nighttime. Yeah, we are actually in the same spot together. Yeah. Back at, back again. Back back together again. Back in the box. The boys are back in the box. And, uh, <laughs> it's a very we, small town that we're back in. It's that small. It's, it's actually it's actually a box here in the largest city uh, you know, in the United States. Um I want to have a couple things out on the record. First, though, why don't everybody stop what they're doing right now and go to iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud and rate and review us. Go look for Limited Upside, rate and review us. It's really important that uh, and to us. We obviously love your, your feedback, your comments, and all that stuff. And then it helps us you know, show that you appreciate what we do here and, uh, and it keeps us motivated. Because I'll tell you what's not motivating us, Mike, the NBA Finals at the moment. Now, mm. I, I don't want to sound too pessimistic. We were debating like what to talk about because it's been a few days in between uh, that last game, Game 5. I uh, think Andrew Mogut might return for Game 7 at this rate. I know, right? With the <laughs> amount of days in between. I know. Game 7 will be played on July 18th, uh, by the way. A uh, month and a half from now. It's unbelievable. So, Mike, one of the things I wanted to ask you, because we were kicking around, like, what should we talk about? Do we talk about Game 5? Do we look ahead to Game 6? And, and we can do a little bit of both of those. But I wanted to get your overall impressions, not your, you know, analytics and not your picture breakdowns and all that stuff. I want to get your actual, I'm Mike Prada and I love basketball impressions of this NBA Finals. Do you like this NBA Finals, Mike? Uh, I've been a little disappointed by it. No question about it. Uh, I just, you know what it is? I think it's actually quite simple. I think the biggest thing that's lacking in this Finals is Steph Curry. Interesting. And I think just, we haven't, I mean, I guess game five, if Cleveland comes back and wins, will be seen as like, oh, that's the, the game where we can say there were some signature performances. Mm-hmm. There were two, there was a team that really played at their highest level. I, I don't think we've really, like in games one and two, I thought Cleveland were just terrible yep. defensively in a lot of ways. And it just, it felt too easy. Game three was a blowout. I mean, the two blowouts in two and three, it wasn't even like a memorable blowout. Game yeah. four was a, a very good game, but now it's sort of been marred by what happened with LeBron and Draymond Green and all the war of words there. And then game game five, obviously, no Draymond Green at all. You know, obviously you had the great LeBron and Kyrie performances, but you know, Every time I think about how underwhelming this postseason has been, I keep coming back to the same thing. Not enough Steph. Yeah, well, maybe this is the NBA Finals that this postseason deserved then. Yeah. You know, I, look, the Finals have been one blowout after another. The part of the, this series not really having that, or at least to me and Mike, I, look, the rest, of the, the rest of the NBA world listening to this, fans of the game, Cleveland fans, Golden State fans, I don't want to be Debbie Downer here. I'm just being national sports fan Ben, who thinks that between game one, which was a fine basketball game mm. and <laughs> it was okay fine basketball game and game five there were two and a half weeks of nothing because games two and three four just weren't that good so when, you, when you're dealing with these the amount of days in between each game two things happen and this is I think my my biggest uh, issue with the NBA finals with all the time in between games you could talk about what's happening on the court but this finals keeps going to the wrong parts of basketball. The off the court, the, the armchair psychology, 
Kevin Love's future, Draymond Green's antics, LeBron James crying. None of those are jump shots. None of those are defensive switches. Mm-hmm. None of those are, are, are is coaching Steph decisions. Is Steph Curry hurt or not? Yeah, is Steph Curry hurt or not? Is Klay Thompson growing up privileged? These are I hate these. I yeah, hate those things. It's a little bit – I mean, I, I kind of understand why there's a gap in games. I think it's easier for all the players and the people covering the team. And theoretically, you get – you know, the players playing harder because they've rested more. Obviously, I think there's a bigger problem in the league with how many games they play and sure. how tired they are at the end and all of that. But you're right. I mean, just the, there's a gap of stuff that has to be filled. Yeah. And with so many players not playing at their capability, it's not like there's a lot of basketball things to talk about when we have a blowout. So we have we – have, all this stuff with Draymond Green, and we have all this stuff with with his Steph healthy or not, and what is LeBron's disposition? Did LeBron bait Draymond, and and all of that? And it's it just it's a little distracting, I think. Yeah, I think it's been now. Obviously, the ratings are great. Yeah, obviously, we might be just wanting more. I mean, certainly, it's good for the sport. These are the top recognizable teams, but I think you know maybe some of it was expectations too. Sure, because we last year, you know. The Cavs were didn't have their full firepower. We can argue whether that was a good or bad thing for their chances. I think clearly we've seen this series that it's not necessarily a great thing to have Kyrie and Kevin Love, although Kyrie has played so well. hasn't made a huge difference in terms of the, the scoreboard. But I think when we saw all those guys miss games, there was a sense that this year was where we got to see the real Cavs versus Warriors mm-hmm. and the real LeBron and the real Steph and all that. And instead, what, and there was a lot of anticipation for that, you know, because you talk about, I think there's a real, not animosity, but jealousy between LeBron and Steph that developed yeah. over the course of the year. I think there was a lot of, it was building into something. And then what we've got instead is that has been underwhelming. Yeah, I think you're right there. I think there there is some some jealousy of not the free pass, but just the nature with which Steph is viewed publicly. If LeBron, which I was, find interesting, by the way, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how I like. I need to this see conversation, it, but it's yeah. it's interesting that we are having it. Yeah, yeah, and because I, I think it's real. I think I think if LeBron had just come off the way he's been, or the way that Steph has been playing in this NBA Finals, we would never stop hearing about how awful and how big of a choke, and et cetera, et cetera. Meanwhile, the flip side of it is, we're, look, I'll be the first one to say it. Steph is clearly injured, and I, I'm not sure how many surgeries he's going to have this offseason, but there will be more than one. I promise you it's his elbow, it's his leg, it's his ankle, you name his it. Shoulders, Shoulder, what's yeah, supposedly I mean, there. I mean, he's missing the Olympics. Yeah, and, I mean, and, and you know that means a lot to him, yeah. So especially given that two potentially two of his teammates or one of his teammates now, and Draymond might be still participating. I just I think that there's uh, there is something to be said for the LeBron public exposure I don't think there's ever been a bubble that's burst, but I definitely think there is a an amount that you can take. And I don't think we've gotten there with Steph yet. I think that his his uh, demeanor and his quiet personality. I mean, look how quiet were those shoes he just put out. They're, they're the quietest. <laughs> okay, that's. I'm not gonna, I'll admit that that was one thing, non basketball thing that was actually kind was of amazing. amazing. That was very amusing. Twitter's and, Twitter's <laughs> reaction to the new Steph Curry chefs, uh, his new. Chef twos Chef or whatever. Twos, I'm sorry. Yeah, the, uh, is the, that what they're called? Yeah, the low top, all all white with a little black on the heel uh, shoes that Steph put out has been nonstop. I mean, from Stephen Colbert. That is, to, that has been amusing. I've un- enjoyed that. Unbelievable. Probably the highlight of this NBA Finals for Steph has been uh, how well he took the criticism on his shoes. Well, um, did he take it well? He had like yeah, he put, straight fire on yeah, it. He put fire I on. He was. Uh, I thought he kind of took it a little personally. I don't know about. I, don't know I if just he took wonder, it so well. I just wonder though, like he had say in those. 
or he didn't. Okay, but here's the thing, right? It's like they're popular the same reason that, I don't know, Taylor Swift is popular. It's not <laughs> not necessarily for a cool, <laughs> to be cool, but it's going to move I'm sure units. he would love, I'm sure Steph's super vanilla shoes would love to be compared with a super vanilla well, pop Well, it's going to, they're going to sell. People are going to buy them. And yeah. they are like very everyman shoes. Yeah, so They, they I mean, certainly have an, he, an overall appeal of 18 to 54. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that prime buying demo. Absolutely. So he's going to be laughing all the way to the bank. It's right. like, that's kind of the thing. Well, we've, we fit but that's the, why the uh, whole straight fire thing was weird. Like, why did he need to point out that they were straight fire? Like, why couldn't he, if he had just played that a little bit differently, he felt a little sensitive to me. If he had just kind of been like, "Well, I like them. That's all that yeah. really matters." Well, that's or what blah, his brother blah, blah. did. So one of the one of the other major things of I guess the series, which has been overdone, is that instead of talking about what Kevin Love is actually doing in this series and what his impact on the Cavs is, it's the future of Kevin Love. I can't stand that either, Mike. Interesting. Do you like hearing every single day about why or where or how Kevin Love is going to fit into the Cleveland Cavaliers' plans next year? Yes and no. I mean, I I, I think it's fairly clear that the fit is not great. Do and you think he's leaving this offseason, regardless of what happens in the rest of this finals? I mean, I think there's a lot of good reason to trade him. Yeah. Uh, obviously, you need a second partner to want to trade, and you need a package that you like. Mm-hmm. But I think, you know what, I think it's not really Kevin Love so much as like I think the league has sort of become a lot very transactional and 24-7 and mm-hmm. you know I think it's more of a it's you look ahead to this summer and I'm actually surprised that Durant the Durant stuff didn't get so big yeah in the I just think we're a culture that now the league sort of what happens in July is sort of more interesting to some people than what happens on the court and mm-hmm. we're sort of looking ahead and again there's sort of a gap of things that are interesting about this series and so that's filling it uh, you're saying you're just tired of it. Is is it just because it's like we're in the finals and we shouldn't be talking about this? Or why why is it such a d- annoying topic for you? Yeah, I guess that's twofold. So number one, yes, because it's the NBA finals. The series is 3-2 with game six going back to Cleveland. And there's still – and probably the discussion is permeating because Lou has not started him one game, started him another. He played – 33 minutes last game despite scoring two points and grabbing three rebounds. Right. Well, there's also the most important thing, which is that when he was out, they won by 30 points. That's right. That's right. Because he was uh, was a plus 18 uh, in the game, but uh, plus minus is a deceiving deceiving. But I mean, just game three. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They won by by 30 points. Yes, there's that too. And, and, And part of it is that like the simple eye test, like Richard Jefferson's 85 years old, but he looks more important on the basketball court. He, yeah. He's playing better. I actually think this is sort of an interesting, if we're going to go talk about things that are not necessarily X's and O's, mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that we've reached a world, I think we kind of already reached it, but it's really been punctuated in the finals, mm-hmm. where it's better to just have a generic small forward playing power forward than someone like Kevin Love for a team in 2016 in this matchup. Now, it, yeah. it's not the way it is for every matchup. Obviously, Love had his moments earlier in the playoffs, but it's it's like if you can't – if your four-man can't guard anyone, it's you, you're better off playing a 37-year-old wing player. Well, let me ask you this. And say, I, I don't know how that good that is for the league. I know it's not Golden State right now. Say it's Oklahoma City or San Antonio. Is Love's role any larger? I would think so, yeah. yeah I think it probably is. I mean, the central problem with Love is that the Warriors just layer all this movement on top, and so you you can be you have nowhere to hide a weak link mm. against the Warriors just because everybody's involved in every play, even yeah. if not directly. You can't. I mean, I guess you can hide him against like some of the centers they have, but when they play their best lineup, there's just nowhere to hide. That's sure. sort of what makes them so great. Sure. He plays the Thunder. I mean, you've got plenty of hiding spots in the Thunder. 
Mm-hmm. Anthony Andre Roberson, he's a for hiding sure. spot. For sure. In a way, Serge Ibaka is kind of a hiding spot. Mm-hmm. So I think he would play a bigger role. But it, it is sort of interesting. If the Warriors are the future of the game, and this is a future where everybody's kind of a wing and you're play- a lot of these teams are playing smaller, you are sort of legislating a big part of the league out of the, out of the game. And I don't know if that's such a great thing. I mean, yeah. doesn't shouldn't it raise some alarm bells that – it's just a weird thing that – the Cavs are so much better playing a 37-year-old small forward yeah. and, and a different world than playing Kevin Love, even in his diminished state. I, yeah. I think it's odd. It is. I also really do like the symmetry that Kyrie Irving grew up in North Jersey, a fan of Richard Jefferson on the Nets, oh, that's, <laughs> which that's is funny. amazing. It's great symmetry. Yeah. I love how the game plays out like that sometimes. But We, we should talk right, about Kyrie, though, right? I mean, yeah. what do you, do you, yeah. I've been thinking about I think this I, a lot. I think I should start this off because I was okay. super critical of him. I actually asked for one thing multiple podcasts ago. I said, I want to see Kyrie Irving and Kevin Love. We were talking about both of them at the time. And I said, I want to see Kyrie Irving have a great game on the road. I think that's just how you show your true colors and and you build on your actual basketball pedigree. We know how certain players play at home. We don't know how they play on the road, and that separates great players from superstars. Kyrie was unbelievable last game. Um, I think that he flipped one of the most incredible narratives in this series, which is that the entirety uh, of his defense is going to be the issue, and the Golden State can exploit Curry, can exploit Kyrie. And that got flipped on its head in a big way, Mike. Um, mm-hmm. It was the opposite. And then it wasn't just Steph. Kyrie was exploiting Clay's foot speed. And then he was exploiting uh, on a switch Igudala's. And then he was exploiting on Curry. And the whole idea is that he is an unstoppable offensive machine certain games and that was last game but it's also been the last two before that now he's yeah, on a three game streak in three the games of 30 points at yeah. this point shooting a good percentage against a great defense a great defense but I'll, I'll say this Megan I want to get your thoughts on Kyrie too I don't think they did anything different though they just won their ISO matchups last game it's, so it's like win by the ISO and die by the ISO for Kyrie and for, for LeBron I think Kyrie, certainly, I didn't see too much different. I do think there were some differences with LeBron. Was that more Draymond not being there? I think that was a big factor. I mean, you think about it, in Game 4, who's protecting the rim? Yeah. What did the Cavs shoot at the rim in Game 5? A very high percentage, I I think. I think they did, too. I think also with LeBron, what they did is they stopped doing that, like, back, pound, pound on the post, and, you know, because that wasn't working. Yeah. Like, one of the things that I have caught a lot of crap for is that after Game (laughs) 2, I wrote that the— LeBron is not good enough to beat the Warriors anymore. I mean, he's just he's too he's not aging. He's aging. Mm-hmm. He the strategy that they're using kind of relies on the assumption that like LeBron might score a little bit, but he's not mm-hmm. going to really kill us in this way. I think what they did instead is they stopped some of the backing down. They had him go start from a higher position on the floor. They used Tristan Thompson to kind of make sure the Warriors couldn't quite go under as easily. And then LeBron stepped into his jumpers and made them. Yep. If that continues, that is it's sort of like the what happened in 2013 when the when the Spurs did the same thing. Yep. And he made I got that shots. same vibe, man. Even the way that they were defending him was very Spursy. Mm-hmm. Like there's a there's a big difference between like deferring and letting a guy get a shot that you think is a low percentage and then putting your hand down and stepping away from them. Now, those are two totally different shots. I agree. And this past game, and I think Iguodala, who's one of the best defenders in the NBA and and one of the best of all time against LeBron, at least in making him uncomfortable, had a few very clear possessions in my head at least 
where he didn't just step away, but he made sure that, that LeBron could see the three feet in front of them. Like, it was like, shoot it. Like, you could you could mm-hmm. almost hear him saying, yeah. shoot it. He's so, been doing that all series. Right, but then this last game, after the first couple LeBron hits, you got to know, well, not this game. Because that's how LeBron goes. We both know this. He has games where his shot is comfortable. He feels like he's in rhythm. And that was last game. So and, what, but the the problem, though, is yeah. so... Well, they had no one protecting the rim. Well, that, and also, okay, so okay, LeBron's hitting a shot this mm-hmm. game. What's the adjustment? Yeah, no, right. I mean, I guess like, if LeBron's hitting a shot, you're in trouble. You kind of have to tip your cap. Yeah. What I did think was significant, though, is that they made it... Tristan Thompson kind of did a little a bit of, like, Warriors kind of towing the line in illegal screening in that game five. He sort of... You, they you would sort. This? I haven't written about it, but okay. I did I did tweet about it. They, they did this thing where, okay, so... Iguodala wants to duck under the screen and sort of meet LeBron. Yes. So what Tristan Thompson would do is he'd slyly kind of grab Iguodala's arm as he was ducking in and then kind of essentially box him out on a roll, kind of turn. And so that way LeBron sort of had a little bit of daylight yeah. and a head start, and Iguodala couldn't spin off those as easily as he did in game four. That was sort of sly. Right. That's sly. important. That's important. Yeah. That's just like a running back getting a, like a, a fullback in front of them opening up a hole, and then he makes the first cut. Whereas, right, and that first cut matters. First guy, it means a lot for LeBron in terms of squaring up and getting directly to the hoop instead of what was happening in the first few games where they were angling him away and that mm-hmm. was making things harder and allowed help D to come over. And same with Kyrie. I yeah. think even Kyrie getting a step and then pulling up is different. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, I think what's interesting has been the narrative shift with these guys. And I, I'm getting a little tired of, like, every game is a referendum on Kyrie <laughs> and LeBron and... You know, I, maybe I'm contributing to it a little bit, but it's just because they have a good game doesn't mean what happened earlier in the series wasn't true or can't flip. And just because they had a bad game, I mean, Tom had a great piece on our site about it. It's like you can't expect LeBron to go for what he did in Game Five every night. If they did, he'd be the greatest player of all time. So why <laughs> do we ever be. expect that? I mean, it's yeah. a, it's a little silly that like the reaction to some of these performances is to sort of wonder why it can't happen all the time. And there's there are a lot of conditions that set up for that. It's just where it's like a meta conversation that we have at this point. And it goes <laughs> back to what you're talking about of all these days between games. And it's like, the re- it's yeah. like now Kyrie is like doing the right thing the way he plays. Yeah. And, you know, maybe he was always doing the right thing or maybe he's not doing the right thing now. Like, I think I fall victim to this a lot, Mike, which is that I, I have high expectations and always have uh, for Kyrie because because his ceiling is so high. It's it's mm-hmm. one of the best players in the NBA is his ceiling. But then oftentimes you're not getting that and you don't get close to it. And I think that's not necessarily in how he plays on the offensive end of the court. It can be seen in his body language. It can be seen in you know his defensive intensity, whatever it may be. But I think I am unnecessarily, and I'll I'll go on the record and say it. I'm I'm harsh on him, but I think that's in that sense of I want more from him because I think he can be great. Yeah. Um. And last game, look, you you shoot uh, whatever seventeen of what was he seventeen of twenty four? You know, with some very six tough assists. Shots. I almost find it incredibly tough shots, but I almost find the six assists to be more important than the 41 points or whatever it was he scored because that shows that he was looking to pass and he had some... Taking 24 shots isn't that many. That's, no. that's That's a totally adequate amount. And obviously, he was incredibly efficient last game in making you know 17 of them, but he was looking for other guys. I think that it was a natural offensive game for him and look, his comfort zone was there against everybody they threw at him, um, which I think is interesting because LeBron can get uncomfortable when different guys come at him. And yeah. Kyrie can, might be that, that unguardable player in this series, um, which which is a little bit different than every other finals LeBron's played in. 
Yeah, I, I think sometimes maybe Wade has filled mm, that role. That's but, a good point. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think with Kyrie, it's less about how many shots he takes and how many assists he has, and more about like how long his moves take. Yeah, yeah, it's a good uh, point. He seemed like he was a little more decisive here, but decisiveness comes from defensive coverages. I mean, yep. sometimes it's hard to be decisive uh, and confidence too. LeBron was pumping confidence into him all game long. Yeah, Le- LeBron can do that the same way he can usurp confidence from a Kevin Love. But he does way too much. He he emasculates him far too much on in basketball television. sense. In uh, basketball sense, on television, which like, <laughs> did I, you I see that? that? Did I you see that, that clip where like Kevin Love like yeah. looked like he was coming in for a high five and yeah. then got dressed down like Mario Chalmers? Yeah, and like that's the thing though. Like Kevin Love's not Mario Chalmers, and you can't treat him like that because ultimately he's going to leave. He's not like a LeBron minion. Where well, which, he's under contract for... Yeah, he'll be traded, I'm sorry, because LeBron yeah. will be the one trading him. But <laughs> That's um, true. But Fair point. The point is, with Kyrie, though, the same way that maybe Le- that Love can be put down, you could see you know, LeBron would th- throw him a very um, you know, a strong chest pass right before half court, being like, this is yours. This is your possession. Mm-hmm. And then right there, that gets Kyrie into that offense. And I don't think that and, always happens. I think sometimes... Yeah. I think there's a an interesting looking at it from a thousand feet away. Mm-hmm. There's like a weird dad LeBron sort of vibe with this team, where sometimes <laughs> he's just a little overbearing, and this they but he also is right. Yeah, and so it's just a matter of of messaging. I think back to Kyrie. I think yeah. it's important to remember that he has started the year with an injury, so he's kind of only getting into his flow now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's limited, but I think he's played passably well defensively this playoffs. He's never going to be a pass-first point guard. It's just a matter of decisiveness, and and sometimes it's a matter of living with faults, and I'm not quite sure why the narrative flips so thoroughly on him. I think maybe he was built up so soon early, and that happens with a lot of these guys, and like that actually transitions to the next thing I want to discuss, which is this Warriors backlash is getting a little weird. Yeah, it is. I'm like not sure how I feel about this. Like I get it, but it's like uh-huh. it's weird how the is it all Draymond Green? Is that really what it is? No, it's not all Draymond. I've I heard I have a contrarian uh, coworker of mine. His name's Evan. He's a great guy, but yeah. he will pick the devil's advocate side on anything. And he's an anti Warriors guy, and his anti Warriors sentiment comes from you know, he thinks that that Curry is is sort of like brash and almost like he knows that you're in his pocket, so he treats you like that. And LeBron's I mean, I always trying to earn it. I think which, Curry is brash. Yeah, I think I this do team too. is a little brash. I agree. And so, but now that the microscope has been on them for 73 games and this entire playoffs, and to be honest, all of last year and or a lot of last year, I think that maybe, you know, you can, you can stare at a diamond long enough and find its imperfections. And I think that might be what we're doing. Look, I still think that they're led by cool guys who have good personalities, who like each other, who play for each other, who you would want actually as role models. Like you would want to tell every undersized, small forward, power forward, center in the world to try to emulate Draymond Green. Play as hard as he does. Act like nothing's given to you. All those cliches. You'd want to tell every uh, mid-major shooting guard, like you could be in the NBA. Your skill set is there. You want to tell guys who have to go to Washington State who've been playing under their father's shadow their whole life that you could still be one of the greatest players. Uh You're way better than your dad. Like, I think there's still a lot of great stuff. Steve Kerr is a million awesome stories in one to root for with them. But I think that those stories have been told, so now we have to find the other side of it. And that's well, where this Draymond is certainly handing the other side on a silver platter, yeah, I would say, this postseason. A silver cup, yeah. Yeah, I guess, yeah. <laughs> if we're gonna Not use... the kind you drink out of. Yeah. Yeah. I... <laughs> yeah uh, but look, I... look, I mean, isn't, am I, I mean I, is that wrong? Is it... No, I don't think it's wrong, but I... Like, what do you... Like, there are things about the Warriors you don't like. What are they? 
What is honestly like? I still like them, but I, I think it's easy to not like some of the stuff that Draymond has done this mm-hmm. postseason. I think it's easy to not like like the Clay Thompson like man up LeBron stuff where <laughs> and it just seems yeah, like, like a little either. bit of a, a little bit ridiculous and I, I think sort of some of that. But the the central thing that I find fascinating about them and what I think contributes to the backlash is that it's really hard to put them in a box, right? <laughs> They're a jump shooting team that loves it when you play physically with them. Yep. They're a jump shooting. You saw how physical Game Four was. That most was, physical basketball game I have, I have watched that I can remember. They are uh, so they are alternatively like bad boys, Pistons level nasty. Yeah, and maybe dirty, and maybe all the illegal screens, boo hoo, like all that. Maybe a little bit of that mixed with like retro Phoenix Suns, like one hundred and forty point, shove it up type of thing. It's like a. Write it on his face, that's a contradiction. Just in terms of their style of play. And then you think again of the contradiction between their best player and their most vocal player, yeah. Stefan Draymond. And we talked about this like, I don't know, five, six, actually, yeah, five, six podcasts ago, some in the beginning of the playoffs. But like, they're a unique team where their heart and their brain are different players. Yeah. And that's not usually the case. Look, LeBron is the epicenter of everything that happens in Cleveland. Um, whether Wade or Bosch factored into specific games where they may have been the alpha, it was LeBron uh, mm-hmm. on both accounts in Miami. But that's I, just not the way it is in Golden State. Yeah, and Duran and Westbrook are kind of almost one brain in that's Oklahoma right. City. I, that's right. Yeah, they're, they're two very different personalities. It's also very – I mean, you think about – look, this plays into it, but you think about the upbringings of mm-hmm. Clay and Steph coming from privilege, whereas Draymond comes from a very different sort of yeah. up, you know world. I think some of that – I think it's actually sort of an interesting subconscious contrast between the Warriors stars and LeBron, who sort of have different public images despite kind of very different upbringings and all that. I think a lot of that is starting to play in him, or maybe we're just getting delirious by all the games. Yeah, I mean, it might like, just be like all the – but it the Warriors' backlash is interesting. It makes me wonder – Two things. What happens if they get Durant next year? I know we're already looking at it. But if they don't, like, they're going for a three-peat. Like, what – have we grown tired of them now? Are we rooting against them? Like, what is – what is – how do we think of them as they win? Is it really as simple as the winners just kind of write the story? Yeah. I I just wonder about it. So part of that definitely is that last year it was – it was a new invention. It was like uh, the first car that ever had a sunroof. People were like, oh, my God, you can open mm-hmm. the window on your roof. Like wow. the idea being that, like, never seen this before. I hope it wins so that the league will become like this, open and fast and three-pointers, et cetera. But the problem is, and I'm not going to say this is original thought. Uh, Bill Simmons says this all the time. Maybe it's just as unique as Clay and Steph being on the same team as a once-in-the-NBA lifetime right. thing. It was interesting how for that. It was interesting how a lot of teams tried to warriorsify themselves this year and failed. Yes, because— because they don't have specifically those two, but as we learned last game, and this is a, piece, a thing we've talked about multiple times, LeBron being the queen piece on the chessboard for the entire NBA, but specifically Cleveland, well, there, there might be one other queen piece. It's and I think it's Green. Draymond Green. I think we learned that last game. Absolutely. And that was like starting a game right there. If that was chess last game, it was like starting a game where one team had the queen and the other one started without their queen because by the end of it, that queen was too powerful and it opened up the whole board for everyone else. And, and that really did play itself out because it was a tight 
great basketball game for three quarters. I mean, it was yeah. a great game. For maybe two and a half Two and a half, quarters, yeah, two yes. and a half, till the end of the third. That's yeah, right. I actually thought the Warriors might find a way to win just because Steph and Clay were making yeah. so many shots. And Iggy was playing really well. I thought Iggy had a good game. Yeah, um, and then what happened is the third quarter arrived, and I think the Warriors sort of realized that, no, Harrison Barnes can't do the things Draymond can. Like, it's just I, not Yeah, a, well, he, we could like, talk about the five open threes he missed last yeah. game that were wide open threes. yeah. Well, Harrison Barnes is a whole podcast topic in and of itself. Yeah. But, yeah, I think I think not having Draymond Green was such a massive absence. It just changed the rotation. It yep. changed a lot of the defensive coverages. It changed— uh, And Boga got hurt. We haven't even mentioned this yet, but, like— Yeah, Boga got when hurt. When your it's... rim protector is uh, suspended and then your center, who's also your other rim protector, hurts his knees out for the rest of the playoffs, and I feel for Andrew Bogut. He's had so many bad injuries in his career, and he's a tough guy. So when he was writhing on the ground— you knew it was something. Yeah. It was an awkward fall. And he's been playing hurt as well. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. So I, I think you're right now, but Noka Green's back in game six. Yeah. Uh, so what do you think happens in game six, Mike? Let's go to game so six. So a part of me thinks that uh, with Green back, with some of the shot making probably regressing back to normal levels, like Golden State's kind of got this. <laughs> uh, and a part of me wonders, I, I, I just a little part of me wonders, if LeBron is like shooting with confidence and firing away and some of these tactics from Game 5 carry over, maybe the Cavs really have a chance here. I would still lean, I think, the Warriors are the favorites. I think Next game or the series? I think next game. Okay, okay. I think I, I would say just because the Richard Jefferson, Kevin Love thing is not going to be a surprise. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't say the Cavs played a tremendous offensive game in terms of their flow. They made a couple little tweaks and their stars went off. I don't know if that's going to happen again. And I, I just think in game four, Draymond Green was everywhere. He protected yep. the rim. He guarded switches. He brought the ball up the floor. He set the screens. I mean, the other big thing that I think the Warriors missed in game five was that once Bogut went out, their offense couldn't function because nobody could set a screen. That's he right. got Draymond back to do that. I I think it's hard with the Warriors kind of knowing – facing adversity sometimes they sort of switch the turn the switch off when they are in comfortable position i think the warriors have the edge but if lebron keeps making his jumpers it might still get interesting so i'm having a hard time envisioning so last game without draymond the the game looked one particular way the entire court felt different without him on there Mm -hmm. um which it feels obvious to say but i needed to see it for myself and it did It, it it played out like it looked um, like there was a big opening, like a vacancy that needed to be filled by an all-NBA player. And and I'm not sure how that's going to factor into what the next game looks like, but I will say this. LeBron was comfortable from the get-go last game. He likely won't be as comfortable with Draymond starting on him, but I, 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 I'm not sure there wasn't a fire lit from this whole ordeal under LeBron. And I'm not sure you ever really want to poke the LeBron bear as much as he's been poked or punched in the groin um you know but like the idea being that like you know there is there is a snowball effect an avalanche effect that the golden state hits almost every other team with that they got hit with last game um this blitz of just two incredible players taking over and beating them you know like it's not uncommon for them to do that uh, for golden state to do that to their opposition and then having to rebound from a, a beating like that where you take 82 points from two guys, which was a new – that's an NBA Finals record. Two mm-hmm. teammates have never scored 40. Not Scotty and Michael. Right. Uh, you know, or MJ and Worthy or, or – I'm sorry, Magic and Worthy or, or Bird and McHale. None of that has ever happened. So there is some amazing historical factor to, to 41 and 41 there. But, but 
have a tough time seeing that being duplicated with Draymond back on there. I just feel like yeah. he, he's the extension of Kerr's nastiness on the court. He's the one who gets Curry to the right mental state, who makes Clay feel the most confidence, who then allows for the other bigs, so guys like Barnes, who's a big on their team, um, right. you know, and Iguodala, who had to start that game and come in with a lot of energy that he didn't necessarily have come the fourth quarter. That's a good point. So I think, there's, I think there are some things to be... Um, they remain to be seen here, but I, I need to see it out. You know, the first couple minutes of run will be important in my eyes, um, and also the start of this game. This is going to be the most important first five minutes of the series. Well, I think in Game Five, what was interesting is that the Warriors started very fast, mm-hmm. if you recall, and then LeBron hit a couple shots. You're right, he did. I like. I hate to come back to it. You talk about like kind of LeBron poking the bear, waking him up. If that manifests itself in him squaring up and making jumpers, it does change a lot. Yeah, yeah. I just have yet to see for a long time. Two straight good LeBron shooting games. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, I've it's seen true. one. I've seen like glimpses. Yeah. I've seen like him have. I mean, he had a big performance earlier in the playoffs as a shooting performance. Yeah. Until I see two, I'm not quite buying that. Yet. But I, I was saying like so. A couple podcasts ago, I called for LeBron to to try to get forty. That that'd be the best way for Cleveland to win. Um, what do you think about that now? Does he need to be in that? Well, I think he's always forty. I think he's always tried to get forty. I mean, yeah. I, I I disagree with this idea that he played like a different sort of. He oh. wasn't aggressive enough in the first couple of ga- in yeah, like I'm games not three I'd and four. Hundred percent thing. I'm I'm interested. Right? In yeah, thinking. I don't agree with that. I think the problem is that he just couldn't finish against these guys. Yeah, and in game. In game five, I think partly because of Draymond, partly because of how they sort of flipped the angle of these screens to yeah. make it easier, and most importantly that he hit his jumpers. He had those openings, and they were just I think the Warriors were sloppy in transition a couple times. It kind of allowed Dray- LeBron to get the angle because yep. again, you talk about it earlier it's a game of angles, and I think Very that's a, so. that's a big key with LeBron because I think he was sort of getting angled off just a little bit on some of these plays. And these are close teams. We should mention like athletically, uh, talent wise, like there isn't that big of a gap between these two teams, and that's mm. also playing. I think it's I I think that the gap was. Uh, I thought it was a more pronounced talent gap before the series. But then when you can kind of watch a uh, – okay, let me start that over. Twelve guys played for Golden State last game, and like four of them were effective. So, yes, well, yeah, that's more good they players, didn't, sure. But, yeah, that's because they didn't have Draymond. Yeah, and, and part of that's certainly Draymond. But, like, Cleveland only had seven guys score points, and Golden State played 12 players. So right. there is a certain point where, like, yes, depth is great and it's, it's important, but you need to get something out of the five guys on the court. Yeah, I – I think that's true. I think obviously Steph's got to play a little bit better. I think the question that I have is whether mm. he's really capable of playing all yeah. that much better. Is this just where his body's at? Right yeah, now? but I think again, it, it comes down to if LeBron is making jumpers, it sort of changes. It changes the whole floor for him, and it is sort of a mental thing too. Because if he's not making jumpers, then he's like kind of throwing his arms into a forest. Mm. Well, I'll tell you what, he's over not taking, and over and he's over. Not, not taking eight three-pointers if he misses his first three. Right. <laughs> and that's why I disagree with this whole he wasn't aggressive enough. I think he just he's trying to get there, but mm-hmm. he just doesn't have the confidence in his ability to shoot jumpers. And so every time – you're just kind of going to the basket every time you're predictable. Yeah. And so that that's a big key. I still think that the Warriors will have the edge. I, I – <laughs> Every time they've been really tested, they have fall. They have come through. I don't think it's going to be particularly easy, but I think we will. It will be over on Thursday. Good. Okay. Well, that's a prediction for limited upside fans out there, patrons, listeners. Mike Prada predicting series ends Thursday night. Uh, interesting stat from last game, real quick. Um, Tristan Thompson and LeBron combined for thirty-one rebounds, and Golden State 
had 30, I believe. Yeah, um, really? Nope, Golden State had – nope, sorry, that was defensive rebounds. I apologize. That's wrong on my stat. Well, okay, well, you're long. saying how many offensive rebounds did those two guys have? So they didn't have that many. That's a stupid stat, my bad. That okay, was defensive Tristan Thompson, rebounds. kind of an unsung hero. Yeah, Thompson did have 15 total rebounds last game. Kind of an uns- But that's yeah. okay, but that's also the Draymond effect, right? If, yep. if, he, if Draymond's in the game, Tristan Thompson's not quite – able to do his thing as easily. Yeah. That's why I... So we can, I, we can look at this whole thing through the context yeah. of the lens but of... There is one thing we do have to quickly mention, yeah. which is that if Draymond gets another flagrant foul, he's suspended for Game 7. Wait, is that true? It yeah. doesn't restart after this? No, it's every flagrant foul afterwards you get suspended. Oh, God, if he gets another a... flagrant foul, he's off for Game 7. Yeah, I... They can't do that, though. They already, NBA already got what they wanted. They get 55 to 100 million more dollars from there being no, one the t- more game. The TV deal is fixed in income. TV deals are fixed in income. Yeah. So what about like everything with the twenty thousand seats and everything that happens? With oh, the well, that's arenas? not that's you not know. TV deals. Yeah, it's it's money. It's money for the team. So you don't think there's any financial advantage to playing se- seven? There might games? be. There might be like sort of like a brand, an indirect brand, like oh, this series is kind of now well, long and great. Like, what do you mean TV deal? The the amount of money that you get from the the TV deal, the the contract is, I believe, fixed. And what about fixed. advertising? I mean, I think it's all. I believe that the amount of money the league gets from the deal is fixed. Huh. I, well, believe, I should know this. I work in advertising. I but, believe, uh, like, like what the <laughs> league gets. Like, so I mean, the teams obviously get gate revenue. Yeah. I could be wrong about this, but I believe that it's all sort of huh. set in advance. But I mean, there is but, an advantage, I guess, long term, which is if you have like a seven game series, maybe more people are paying attention and they yeah. become active fans. Because I feel or, like they would be, they'd be. It'd be a poor marketing or advertising decision from from ABC Disney's standpoint to not put a premium on games six and seven, given you know that's ad space that is of a ton of value. Right. Well, that that's more it, valuable. I think now. probably for ESPN, it's probably ultimately better to yeah. have, be able to sell the ads. But ESPN has already paid the money for the NBA. It's okay. like a guaranteed contract. Okay. So I blame so Roger the, Goodell. So the league doesn't. <laughs> the league. I, I the, the I hate to poke a hole in that conspiracy theory, right. but the league doesn't actually benefit financially as a league entity hmm. directly from more games. Right, it doesn't good. make a difference that way. Well, then take that, Golden State Warriors fans. That's like the, that's a trending Oh, God. Theory. Oh, I hope that. Yeah. I no, mean, it's okay. Yeah. I, look, I, I'm, I'm only upset about one thing, Mike, and that's the United States and Ecuador play at the exact same time oh, in the yeah. Copa America tournament that this Game 6 is going to be on now. Oh, that, like, is, that, is a, that is a dagger. I, and there are no games tonight in yeah, Copa and America. You guys can't see this, but I'm, I'm hitting my fingers together in a no way, in a bad way, because you, are. you cannot do that. You, you can't, if you're scheduling wait, Copa wait, 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 America. Wait, can you do that again? Yeah, you're not, can you get, can you're not really that? doing uh, It's uh, a let tisk me, tisk type thing. It's not really a good tisk tisk. I'm trying. So I'm trying to gesticulate a tisk tisk uh, through a podcast. And what I'm trying to say, though, is you can't have that planning be in place. Like, that cannot be a possibility that the United States soccer team uh, you're trying to build up here in America is playing at the same time as something it's going to get destroyed in the ratings by. That's like what <laughs> the, the, that's like when hockey went up against Game 7 yeah, of the— But you know what hockey did? Hockey wised up, Mike. Hockey put— Ninja Warrior on NBC network television. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. And they put Game One of the Stanley Cup on NBC Sports. And you should read American Ninja Warrior Nation, yes. the SB Nation yeah. blog for <laughs> American Ninja Warrior. For all your Ninja Warrior Nation needs, <laughs> uh, go to NinjaWarriorNation.com. Uh, American Ninja Warrior. Yeah, so that's a bit of a bummer for us soccer fans that yeah. the U.S. game is but happening at the same time. Just means two TVs at the same time, uh, which so, I have set up in. My little tiny man cave. So, do you think? Uh, do you think it ends in Game Six? No, I think Cleveland's going to win this game. Um, okay. I think there's. 
I don't really believe in momentum. I think that's a, that's a baseball, uh, you know, or I'm sorry, that's a, um, a football thing. Um, I think very few sports truly have momentum. But I do think, though, is that um, I think that Cleveland has figured a little something out here, which is that you need to keep – if Steph Curry has a bad left pinky finger – uh, you hit him in his bad left pinky finger. So what mm-hmm. they're doing now is they're going. They've really realized, or they've figured out how to maximize the physicality of every minute, every possession for Steph. I believe he's wearing it. I think his performance indicates that. So I would see them exploiting that even more. And I don't think Steph's going to get healthier. He might cope with it a little better, whatever he's dealing with. Um, but man, I could, I could see, I could see LeBron and, and Kyrie having a really good game again. Um, but I do think this is going to be a really close game. I think the Cleveland's going to have to win this game in a lower scoring. They got to play the game they wanted at a level that was a similar scoreline to a like, Toronto series last game. Mm-hmm. They got like around 30 points a quarter. I don't think they're going to be close to that with Draymond back and the intensity, the, the, the gravity of a Game 6 elimination at home. And you know this, Mike. There will not be a more tense fan base in the entire world for anything that includes every France supporter in the stadium today for their, you know, knuckle or finger biting win today in soccer, whatever. Nail biting. Nail biting, yes. No one will be as tense as the Cleveland Cavalier fan Did base. Did you see that they're on Thursday? Because night. their black jerseys were so popular in Crowds game wearing. five, so now they're wearing black they've handed up black shirts. They they kind of just walked That's into their own punchline. Yeah. They walked into their own punchline there. It's unbelievable. <laughs> so, I, I was very amused by yeah. that. That's great. Steph should go all white, including his new shoes. <laughs> yes. I love it. But uh like I so I do think it goes seven. I think Golden State wins game seven. At home on Sunday night, uh, about an hour before Game of Thrones with the Battle of the Bastards, which I can't wait for. I know everyone else on listening to this. Wait, the Game of Thrones is as during the game, right? Yeah, yeah. So Game of Thrones starts at 9. Set your DVR and then watch the NBA Finals. Can't DVR sports, obviously. Someone will ruin it. Like some of Mike's us. I mean, some of us DVR sports for you, work. Yeah, but you can't DVR the NBA Finals, Mike. No. Yeah. I mean, not if I'm not to like watch after the fact i can right. dvr to watch a second time that's fair that's fair but and watch that live and uh, and then go back and, and watch game of thrones and silicon valley and veep because uh hbo sunday night television is on point um, good silicon valley this past week that was I awesome they mentioned the verge they did the verge photo shoot they that's also our, made fun of uprocks which i enjoyed yeah, that's a twofer verge <laughs> is one of our uh, it's our tech site it's our culture tech site awesome check it out There's i was gonna account. say that the scene in there was very realistic to, i feel like to how the <laughs> office works you know we really do have a room where we take photos of, of guys and unicorns yeah, yeah. uh we work it's a dirty little here. secret to our <laughs> office down here <laughs> All right, I'll let you know one more secret. Mike's wearing the unicorn costume right now. It's a comfort thing. So it's a little hot, but I, I'm committed to the gag. <laughs> but we fit in the voiceover box here. Um, all right, cool. That game's Thursday. Potential game seven is on Sunday. I'm sure that in the meantime, check out what uh, Tom Zilla wrote today on SB Nation. Keep following what Paul Flannery has been writing. The entire SB Nation NBA staff has been putting out uh, no shortage of incredible content. This entire NBA uh, playoffs, finals, the whole season, really. And so a I little, encourage you to check it out. A little teaser. You might see your, your boy <laughs> kind of sitting to my left here in some future SB Nation endeavors as we lead up to the draft. Yeah. It's yeah. a little teaser right there. Have a look out for Philly Ben. Uh, could, <laughs> could be coming at to uh, your video uh your video feeds soon. I got a little teaser. Uh, <sighs> but that's too much. That's too much. Okay, so we hit on all the topics here. We're both a little frustrated with the uh, the coverage, the amount of time between to create these faux yeah, narratives. All, all those like editors that are determining the coverage of this series yep. really are kind of yep. screwing the pooch here. Hey, what was the Drew League slogan, Mike? Uh, was it, uh, what was it? It was like... No excuse, just produce. Yeah, that that should be the NBA Finals slogan for the next two games. No yeah. excuse. 
That's right, Steph Curry, you listening? Just produce. No excuse, Steph. Just produce. Just produce. Baron would do it. Baron would say, no excuse, just produce, and then he would knock off the number one seed in the Western Conference for your Golden State Warriors. Um, okay, so find us, like I told you in the be- like I told you in the beginning of this podcast. Yeah, actually, there, there's actually a paywall on this podcast, so if you don't review us, <laughs> no. it's like one of those newspaper drop-downs, those surveys you got to answer. It, That's actually how it works. You, yeah, so review us. Review us. Rate us. It's going to be like a little pause at the beginning of the yeah. podcast. Actually, you would – why am I telling you this? You've already passed through it. Yeah, yeah. Don't, <laughs> don't listen to anything Mike just said. Rate us, review us, show us you, uh, you appreciate the pot, you know, um, and uh, find us on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes – Limited upside. Uh, and then also find us on Twitter. Shoot questions at us. Tell us we're doing a good job. Tell us we're doing a terrible job. Make Te- fun of my predictions. All that stuff. Tell us some things you want us to answer on yeah. future podcasts. And if there's anyone in particular, maybe a writer, Espionation you like, a community leader, an editor you're a big fan of, we'll have them on the podcast. So let us know about that. That's at limited underscore upside. That's our Twitter handle. You can find Mike at Mike Prada SBN. I'm at EpiBen. As always, this is the Limited Upside Podcast.